0: Grab your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter. We're going to read a passage out of there shortly. Um, I did want to draw to your attention that obviously on the way in, we are handing out communion elements. If you'll hang on to those, we are going to take communion together as a body uh, toward the end of my service. I want, to, I want to talk about communion first, and I want to build our faith around the practice of, of communion. And so this is the reason we'll hold off toward the end of our service. If you don't have the communion elements, um, raise your hand or something or wave at somebody in the back or do something, I don't know, and somebody will get one to you, but you'll figure it out. <clears throat> um, the, um, the title of our series we're in right now is The God Who Provides. And I wanna talk about the provision of the Lord's table. The provision of the Lord's table. Because there is more to partaking in the Lord's table, taking communion, whatever it is that you're used to calling it. There's more to it than I think many of us understand. And I want to talk about the power, the potential, and the provision of the Lord's table. Now, whatever faith tradition you're used to uh, has some form of taking communion or partaking in the Lord's table the various styles of doing it vary. Uh, some of them are, you know, some faith traditions are very formal in that. And, uh, and I appreciate that. In kind of the nom- non-denominational world, we tend to be less formal. Can I tell you sometimes too form informal? I think some maybe of, in the non-denominational churches we've lost some of the beauty of the reverence for the Lord's table. I mean, the fact that I don't know, we do the little plastic cups. I mean, it's the best way to do it, but um, it can be a little informal. And so maybe we need to step our formality game up where we're taking communion is concerned. You open to that? So, but most people are are familiar with... um, with taking the Lord's table. And here's where it all began. It began in Matthew 26, verse 26, with Jesus. And the Bible says this, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it, and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins. So this is kind of where we see what we consider communion. Um, This is where it originated. And then Paul later in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 gives us more details and stuff and instructions around um, the taking of the Lord's table. But here's a few things we know according to scripture is, is that the bread in the Lord's table is symbolic of, of the, the, the body of Jesus that was broken for us. So the bread symbolizes his body. The blood symbolizes, I mean, the, the wine, the juice, symbolizes his blood. So we, we know that about taking communion. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that when we take communion, it's a time of remembrance, And I think this is where some of us fall short sometimes. We just, we're used to doing this and we forget to remember. It's really a time of remembrance and we're remembering the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. And so it's a time of remembrance. It's also a time of proclamation. He says that when we take communion, we proclaim his death until he comes again. How many of you know he's coming again? He is, he's coming again. But until then, when we, as we take communion, it's a proclamation, it's a proclamation to me, it's a proclamation to my family, it's a proclamation to my church community, it's a proclamation of the wor- to the world that our Savior gave his life for us. So we know those elements of taking communion. Paul also warns us in 1 Corinthians that we ought to take of it in a worthy fashion in other words, there ought to be some reverence, some sobriety when we approach communion. And again, some of us, you know, how many of you know you can do something over and over again and it kind of loses its, its meaning, but he warns us that, that we ought to take it in a worthy fashion. In other words, I, th- I think we really need to, um, to take that moment. I mean, the Bible says we ought to examine ourselves is what he says. Before we take communion, we're to examine ourselves ourselves. Well, what are we examining ourselves for? Well, first of all, when we take communion, it's it's saying, it's a declaration that I have a covenant with God. So here's the news. Don't make a declaration of your covenant with God if you don't have a covenant with God. So the first thing we ought to examine ourselves is am I just making a proclamation or do I personally have a covenant with God? So that, that's the first point of examination. Do I really have a covenant with God? Um, another point of, of examination is, am I living like I have a covenant with God? Does my life reflect the covenant that I have with God, right? And so it, it should be a time of, again, reverence and sobriety. And it doesn't have to be stuffy. It doesn't have to be over, overly form, you know, uh, uh, for, you know, formal, but it does need to, we do need to approach it with a sense of, of reverence. And uh, can I just say something to you? For those of you who are parents, you know, we, we say when, when people come here and when, take communion, they say, do you have to be a member of Victory Worship Center to take communion with us? And I say, the answer is no. You just have to be a member of the body of Christ. But if you're a member of the body of Christ, you're welcome to take communion here. But I wanna say, you know, something my parents did with me and I love this, and I think you ought to maybe do it, consider doing it with your children, is withholding communion from your children until they are at a point where they understand the gospel and can make a choice to give their life to Jesus on their own. In other words, sometimes when we take communion, it, it feels like, isn't that cool that Pastor Jody gave us a snack time during church? Communion is not snack time during church. And a lot of us, like the kids, you know, they see mom and dad doing it and they see all, and they're like, yeah, let's get involved in this. But I just, this isn't real popular this day and age, but tell your kid no. But here's, listen, it's not just to say no, but it's to say this. Listen, there are things that are sacred and they're not to be done willy nilly. And we don't do them just because it's fun. It's fun or we don't do it just because it's there. This is a sacred thing. And I actually think it's healthy for us to show our children reverence with the things of God. So saying to your child, the answer not no, the answer's not yet. Right? Until we get to a point and then they're watching you and they're watching the example you set, and it gives them something to aspire to. I was talking to somebody the other day where baptism was concerned. And they were saying, you know, my kids wanted to get baptized when, when all their friends were getting baptized and the parents sat them down and said, well, tell me why you want to get baptized. And they couldn't answer them. And they said, well, you're, it's not time for you to get baptized. And if you don't even know what baptism is. And so they, as a parent went on a journey of explaining baptism, prepping their heart for that sacred moment. If we're not careful, we lose that church. So maybe even with our children, just kind of holding, holding communion off, but Anyway, communion is this, is this powerful, this powerful thing that Jesus instituted. But when he did it in that moment, it was actually a fairly normal moment and a setting when he introduced what we call the Lord's table, because he and his disciples were actually at the Passover table at that moment. They were having the Passover meal together, which if you were a Jew, this was very normal. This was like Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, it just happens every year. And so they were very much in a normal moment. But in that moment, Jesus made a slight variation in the plan. It was a slight variation, a slight change in the normal of the Passover meal. But can I tell you, there was enormous potential and power in the slight change that he made to that process. And so what I want to do is I want to look back to the original. I want to go back to the original Passover meal. And I want to show you the power and the potential in the original Passover meal so that we can recognize and understand the multiplied power and potential in the new covenant. So if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter, we'll kind of see the origin of Passover of the the Passover meal and what happened there. Now, if you'll remember at this time, Egypt, I mean, Israel were slaves in Egypt. The nation of Israel was slaves in Egypt. And it was the Lord's desire to free them from their slavery. And so there was a plan put together. It was God's plan. And Passover was kind of the culmination, it was the tip of the spear. The Passover meal was, was kind of the, the springboard that moved Israel out of slavery into a new life. It kind of all culminated right there at the Passover table. And there was two main elements to the Passover experience. Remember, there was a lamb that was to be taken into the house. Now, this lamb was to be the sacrificial lamb. And this, this, this lamb was to die for the covering of the sins of this family. And so, it would bring this lamb into the house. You would actually examine it for three days. You would bring it into the house. Just little lamb poop all over the living room, right? And you examine this thing for three days to make sure that there's no defect that there's, this isn't a, a broken lamb. And then after it was deemed worthy of being the sacrificial lamb, then it was killed. And um, the, the two elements that were important from this sacrifice, it was the body and it was the blood. Because the body of that lamb was actually to be cooked. It was cooked a very specific way. It was roasted over fire which is kind of cool because they would take it and they would split it down the middle without breaking any bones. It's important. And then it would be skewered like this on a stake. Kind of look familiar? It was spread out like this and then it was roasted with fire. And then the instruction was the body of this sacrificial animal was to be eaten. So the family would eat the body of the sacrifice. That was part of A Passover. The blood from the Passover lamb was to be put in a bowl. And then the family was to bring that blood out to the front of the house. And and you would take the branch of a hyssop tree, and they would dip the branch in the blood, and it was to be applied over the top of their door, the front door, and over the sides, on the sides of the front door. The blood applied to the top and to the sides. There's so much beautiful symbolism in the things of God because imagine the blood from the top dripping down to the bottom and forming a perfect cross on the front door of their house. Come on, how many of you think when people look at our house, they ought to just see the blood of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, plastered, whatever that looks like. Our house just ought to resonate Jesus. That was what the symbol was. And so the blood, the blood was applied to the door the body was eaten. And then there was a specific way, this is funny, when they ate the Passover meal, that, that, that meal right there at the pinnacle of, of, of God's, God's uh, freeing them, they were to dress a certain way. This sounds weird. How many of you dress your kids for dinner? How many of you just happy if they are dressed when they come to dinner? Right? Okay, they were supposed to dress a certain way. Look with me in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. It says, These are the instructions for eating this meal be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. Let me give you Jody, the J E V, the Jody's extended version of this verse. Ready? Eat this meal sitting on go. You're sitting on go when you're eating this meal because things are about to change. This meal is about to change your world. Everything in your life, everything that you've known, it's about to shift the body and the blood of the lamb. It's about to shift it all. And you can see that happened because that night at midnight, the death angel came over. Remember the whole story? Next thing you know, Israel finds themselves in a different situation. Whatever their life had been to this moment, it changed. It changed because of the body and the blood of the Lamb. It changed because of the sacrifice. I want to show you three major changes that they experienced immediately because of the power of this table. First, The first change that they experienced is that they had been slaves and all of a sudden they found themselves free. They were free. They were no longer under a taskmaster. They were no longer burdened down. They were free. People who didn't know what freedom felt like found themselves free. It set them free. The first big change is they had freedom that they'd never experienced. Let me show you the second, the second change they experienced and it's found in, in, in verse 35 and 36 of Exodus 12. It says, the Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. What are you talking about, Jody? Part of God's plan in this whole thing was that these poor slaves, these, these slaves who lived with nothing, they lived in poverty. Part of their being released is God said, told Moses, he said, listen, here's your instruction for the Israelites. Go, like come out of the ghetto that you live in, go up to the good neighborhoods in Egypt, knock on the door, and asked the Egyptians for their finest silver and gold and clothes. That's what he told them to do. And the Bible tells us that they did. They followed the instructions of Moses. And the end result, please listen to this, is these slaves plundered Egypt on their way out. These people who were in bondage and in poverty weren't in bondage anymore and weren't in poverty anymore. What made the difference? It's was the body and blood of the sacrificial lamb. So they were free. They were prospered. Let me show you another thing that they were walking in that they had not yet experienced. It's found in Psalm chapter 105, verse 37. The Bible says of the children of Israel that he brought them forth also with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. We know that there was 600,000 men there, not counting women and children. The estimated number is somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million people. And the Bible says of 1.5 to 2 million people, there was not one feeble among them. There was not one who was stumbling. There was not one who was weak. There was not one with cancer. There was not one with leukemia. There was not one with, they were healthy. So the Bible said these slaves, because of the blood of the body and the blood of the sacrificial lamb, it launched them into something. It launched them into freedom. It launched them into prosperity and it launched them into the health. That was the power of the Passover table. Jesus though, in Matthew 26, he took that powerful table and he amplified it because he took the bread and said, listen, There's been lamb after lamb after lamb after lamb killed, generation after generation, year after year, lamb after lamb after lamb. He stands up and says, there's no need for any more lambs because you are now beholding the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the earth, the one who will take sin away once and for all. He stood up there. He said, this, my body is is the body of the sacrificial lamb. He gave him that bread, eat it. You see that? It's a perfect picture of Passover. And then he took the blood, you know, took the cup and he said, this is my blood. And he said, drink it. He didn't say, put it on the doors of your heart. He said, blink, you know, drink it. Listen, the blood of Jesus isn't just a covering. It's a covenant. It's not just the covering of our sins. It's a whole new covenant with God. And he said, this, this is my blood. And with this blood, we're, we're cutting a whole new covenant. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because you and I have been taking communion month after month, year after year. Some of us, it's become almost robotic. We don't understand the power of it. Can I tell you church, there's potential and provision in the Lord's table to set you free. There are people in here who you are God's children, but you're still walking in bondage. It, It has potential and power to provide provision for you and even prosperity for you and health for you. But we don't understand the power of the Lord's table. And we just do this thing over and over again. I just believe today is going to be the change. I believe that the Lord is building our faith and our understanding. And when we take communion here together, it ain't going to be the same old way. It ain't going to be through the same old routine. I believe there's somebody in here who says, I am tired of being bound. I'm tired of generations of, of addiction and brokenness in our family. And I'm ready to take a stand as a child of God, saying that, that the Lamb of God has set me free, and I am launching into a new way of living, yes. a way of freedom and a lifestyle of freedom that I've not yet experienced. I believe there's somebody in here who's hungry for that. I believe there are people here who, again, your your poverty, and I, I really feel for the the generations of poverty. You know, people can say my grandmother was poor my, my my parents were poor and, and just poverty sent. Listen, can I just tell you that God is not a God of poverty. God has never once promised to make anybody poor. He never gave a promise where it says, if you'll serve me, I'm gonna make you poor but proud. It just didn't happen. And some of us are living, are living in a condition and listen, The cross has purchased more for us than that. And I believe in health, health, health. By his stripes, we are. By his stripes, we are. We're healed. We don't have to ask God to do anything for us because it's already been done. It's the finished work of Jesus. Jesus' last words on that cross were, it is finished. He didn't say it's almost done. He didn't say it might be done. He said it is finished. Now, are you saying, Jody, and I, and I got to be careful with this because people say, are you, you know, you're downplaying sickness. That means, well, what you're saying is nobody should ever get sick. Listen, the enemy is going to throw sickness at you every chance he gets. I understand that sickness is coming. All I'm saying to you is we need to understand what's been, what's been purchased for us because some of, we don't even know it's been purchased for us and it's sitting there. We don't believe for it because we don't even know it's available. But the body and the blood of the lamb has, has purchased for us things for us to walk in that some of us have never yet walked in. I want to lead you in a time of taking communion here together. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come up and we're going to take communion and here's how I want to do it, and I want to walk you carefully through this, so stay with me. You know, I believe that the, the people of God, children of God, unfortunately, we can live with a lack of freedom in our life. There are areas that we, we aren't walking in freedom, and maybe it's because we didn't know we could be free, we didn't know any difference. But if you're here today and said, again, I'm, I'm ready to walk in freedom well, Jody. What are you talking about? Can I, can I go somewhere very carefully, please? I've had somebody get mad at me for saying things like this. Um, and they responded to me on social media, which is I'm not, why well, I'm not on social media. Somebody had told tell me somebody was mad at me on social media because I'm not there to see it. <clears throat> but I want to talk about the mind, about mental health. And you know, there's a lot of people and there's people in this room, no doubt. And I just want you to know how much we love you. And please hear where I'm coming from, from a heart of a pastor. There are people here, you struggle with anxiety and you struggle with depression. Church, do we love them? I mean, we love you. And I know that's real. I'm not downplaying it. All I'm telling you, it's not God's best. There are people here you struggle with, you know, we got, you know, there's ADHD and ADD. And again, I'm not belittling any of that. I'm just telling you that's not God's best. There are people who we we need medications to function in our world. And if if that's you, please, I love you. And I'm not making fun of you for that. I'm just saying, I believe God wants to even move us past that. Or we don't need medication to keep our mind right. I said this last week of Isaiah 53, the Bible says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And what that literally means was when Jesus was dying on that cross, he was making the correction so that you and I can have peace. There needed to be something corrected. Jesus corrected the issue so that you and I can have peace. Listen, peace is available for the people of God. Peace. Peace. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of joy and a sound mind. If you're here today and you're just like, I'm ready to get past mental health issues, then I believe this is gonna be a day of breakthrough for you. If there are addictions in your life, if you're like, yeah, I'm just living with addictions, today can be a day of breakthrough for you as we take communion together, the power and the potential in the, table, in the Lord's table. Again, prosperity, if, you're, if you just feel like you're just part of that, I'm on that cycle. It's just like, I, I watch other people get blessed. I watch other people succeed and I just keep tripping over. I had somebody tell me the other day, you know, kind of the cycle in our life is like, we start getting out, start getting out and then something else comes and we're just back down in this. I believe God can break the cycle of poverty over us. In sickness and in health. I just, I just believe God... God longs for his people to walk in the health that Jesus purchased for him on the for them on the cross. And I know this is real. Like I said oh, my dad's fought cancer. My sister-in-law fought cancer. My sister in Mississippi is currently fighting cancer. I'm not making fun of this stuff. I'm not making light. But instead of curling up in a ball and just saying, well, it must be God's will. No, no, what we're doing is we're standing in faith, saying, No, this is not what the word of God says. This is not what the word of God says. By his stripes, we are healed. Book of James says, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, anointing with oil, laying on of hands, and the the prayer of faith will save the sick. Maybe the problem is we don't have prayers of faith. There's prayer, but there's not prayers of faith because the promise is the prayer of faith will save the sick. So maybe there's, there's those of you who you're dealing with health issues. And I, again, I'm, you feel me building your faith? Or at least trying. I mean, I can't do it, but I can try. I'm building our faith. Because in a minute, we're going to crack open this stuff with a whole new level of intensity, right? And so maybe you're here today. I, I know some people specifically that are close to us in their family. There's a real deal sickness there that's scary. Maybe it's time for parents and grandparents to stand up and say, no more, no more, no more. By the body and the blood of the sacrifice, my life's about to change. So here's what I want you to do. Lace up your tennis shoes, get your walking stick in your hand, go ahead and put put your robe on. And we're about to take communion dressed a whole different way, right? So grab your communion elements and here's what I wanna do. If um, First of all, if you're here today and you may say, Jody, I've taken, I've taken communion a thousand times or I'm used to doing this, but I currently don't have the covenant with God that I'm proclaiming. I've never, I've never given my life to the Lord and become born again. I want you to do it right now. Just bow your head and just say, Lord, I wanna I want be part of your family. I recognize I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins and I receive, I receive the work of the cross in my life. If you do that, if you attach your heart to those words and just, and commit your heart to the Lord, you'll be born again right now. And you can take this covenant with integrity, take this communion with integrity because you do have a covenant with God. If you're here today and you, you, you're you born again, you have a covenant, but you've not been living like it. Would you just bow your head right now and everybody just examine your heart like the word tells us to do. So Lord, have I been living in alignment with the covenant that I have with you? And if you haven't, just repent real quick. Just say, Lord, I, I repent of that. I turn to you. I turn to you. I want my life to reflect the covenant that I have with you.